0: going on everyone hope all is well out in your world excited to have you here for another episode of the just get started podcast I'm your host Brian Andreco. thanks again for being a part of this journey if this is your first episode welcome come on in out of the cold of the winter months and uh, hope you guys enjoy my conversation today with Chris Mead and before we jump in I did just want to make a mention especially if you are a new listener something I've been doing a lot more recently is trying to set up calls with the listeners Uh, You know, you guys out there that have been supporting this podcast, some for a couple of years now and really providing feedback and insight um, and really pushing this forward. Uh, I want to give back as much as I can. You know, one of the things I love is the opportunity to mentor, whether it's younger sales professionals or other entrepreneurs or just, you know, friends and, and kind of mind melding on stuff. And I want to open that up to the community here. There's a lot of you folks that I've never been able to talk to. I've never met before. So what I've done is, and, and hopefully this is great for everyone, is just set up a link on my website. Go to Brianondraco.com, go to the contact page and select the drop down for a 15 minute call. Put in your information and I'll get back in touch with you. And we'll uh, we'll schedule a call together. i excited to learn more about your journey, some of the things that make you tick, and uh, really just connect a little bit deeper. So look forward to doing that over the next few weeks and months if you guys want. Now, let's jump into the episode today. I get a chance to speak with the co-founder of CrossNet, Chris Mead. Um, Chris is one of three folks, his brother and another friend, that started CrossNet, which is this four-way volleyball game. Um really neat. if you go look at this stuff online they've really been growing rapidly over the last two years since they came up with the idea and Chris shares a lot of the story of not only how they got started but some of the technical stuff that's kind of keeping them going uh, that they're learning you know kind of and patching if you will along the way uh, to make the business a lot more profitable and make it fun and and really accessible to everyone so I'm really excited for you guys to listen in this episode today enjoy the time that Chris spent with me and uh, I hope you guys enjoyed as well so without further ado Let's jump into my chat today with Chris Mead. Let's get it started. Hey, Chris, welcome to the podcast, man. Nice to chat with you today.
1: Thanks, nice, man. Appreciate having me on.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really uh, excited to chat with you because, you know, when this cross that game came across my radar recently, I was like, this is pretty neat stuff, like what you guys are trying to accomplish there and kind of this new game. So. If I butcher the intro, which I may have uh, at leading up to the uh, interview here, why don't you give the quick kind of 30 seconds for folks that are listening, what is CrossNet before we yeah. get into the kind of the deep dive of it all?
1: So CrossNet is the world's first four-way volleyball game. Uh, back in 2017, my, myself, my brother, and our childhood best friend uh, came up with the idea to intersect volleyball nets and have everybody compete in a game to 11, win by two. So it's a okay. complete free-for-all, four-square and volleyball together
0: so i'm curious you know because again with the premise of just get started and kind of kind of going forward with ideas you have take us back a little bit like was this your first kind of entrepreneurial type thing or did you have things when you were younger that you wanted to own your own business or start your own business for anything Give, give me a little insight into kind of childhood for you
1: yeah uh so i went to school actually to be a film director so i graduated with a film degree i worked at hbo for a little bit on set Uh, so I started my own film production company when I was younger, kind of just hustling, trying to pay bills throughout college. So there's photography, doing videos for weddings, all of that good stuff. And then my brother, Greg, and I would always be like flipping concert tickets. So anything to like, try to make a buck and, and just be hustling and take advantage of money online. Like we would do it.
0: What 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 intrigued you about the film industry? Why did you want to go that route?
1: So (laughs) weirdly enough, I I loved like scary movies growing up. Absolutely love scary. Still do to this day. And there's not many good horror directors. There's like only two or three like really famous like scary movie directors, and the rest are just not existent. So I was like, all right, let me try. I saw in a, a place where I thought I could have made a, a splash, but life's kind of changed. But I'm happy with the, the route it, it's taken.
0: And did you go to college for that then to like yeah, do film- to a- What is yeah. it called, filmography? What is the, <laughs> what, awesome what's the term?
1: Yes, I graduated with a film and video and interactive media degree from Quinnipiac University in Connecticut.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I just, it films in general, because all that, go. I I have a a few folks that I know that are kind of in the industry or, you know, kind of help on, you know, stagehands, whatever. And it's just incredible. It seems like the amount of stuff that goes into the production of it all. Exactly. Um, so were you going to actually direct then? That? That, was that like the... Yeah, that was,
1: that was the plan. That was definitely the plan. I was working on the some film sets, like as a set PA, kind of just helping out in every single aspect, whether uh, it was just a lot. they were 16 hour days. It was crazy and really underpaid at that point coming out of college. So, uh, but it's cool because I, I still use the knowledge that I, I learned when we go do film shoots for CrossNet or even design and graphic design. Uh, a lot of it is my camera work. Uh, my photography. Uh, we have other videographers we use, but I'm still taking po- photo. all the photos you'll find on our website, all done by myself. Uh, a lot of the graphic do- design work done by myself too. So still using the skills just in a different way.
0: No, that's really cool. So if I saw correctly, fact check me on this. So you graduated college and then did you go work for Uber? Was that right?
1: Yeah. So I worked at the Uber headquarters. Uh, that was my last real job. Uh, <laughs> so I was a, an account executive kind of helping launch Uber Eats in Boston and Providence. So
0: what was the, if, if we kind of took a, a step back to end of college or graduating, it's kind of this momentous moment, right? We graduate college was the idea to, Hey, I'm gonna go work for Uber for a few years and kind of help grow that. Like what was in your mind? What did you, cause it didn't seem like you were going the film route. So like yeah, what yeah. was in your mind of like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do the next few years.
1: Yeah, so uh, to sum it up, so I graduated college, I started working for a commercial agency, like selling commercials locally and nationally. Uh, that was cool for about a year and then su- super, super corporate. Like I remember getting like an email saying, Chris, half of your shirt is untucked. Like, please tuck your shirt. And I was like, all right, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm talking to you in shorts right now and couldn't be making more money. So uh, so we, we quit that. And then I went I got my first like sales experience at a uh, SaaS technology company. So I started learning SaaS, uh, learning how to sell a service, talking to professionals, making a, a large sale. And then I blindly sent out a resume to Uber and they were like, yeah, come in. And, and it was awesome. It was a great company to work for. So learned a lot about sales from there and just was kind of going with the flow at that point, working for technology companies.
0: What do you think, if I can, I want to needle in something. I'm just more cur- curious kind of a, from a conversation standpoint. So obviously film was your big thing. You wanted to do that. What happened where did you just not want to go down that path anymore? Was the passion not there? Did you want, want to go through the the grind maybe that you saw in some of these yeah. endeavors worked for HBO. Like what was the reason you didn't go that route to begin? Because obviously it's worked out so far, yeah, yeah, yeah. not going that route, but.
1: Yeah. Uh, bluntly, the, the real reason is just cash, right? I, I graduated from film school, uh, which was a real school and cost a lot of money. And I came out with a lot of college debt. Uh, middle-class family growing up, not a not a super lot of cash, uh, kind of has helped me and my brothers hustle growing up, but uh, grew up, graduated with tons of debt, tons of student loan debt. And when you get into the film world, you're making $12, $14 an hour. Uh, so that plus New York City rent, plus college loans, plus cost of living, didn't add up. Uh, it was honestly almost undoable. I know some people are able to do it, but the, the amount of loans that I had and just it, was, it just was not going to be a good financial situation for me.
0: So you decided to take, obviously, this route and, and, and kind of get in the sales side. So it looked like you learned some skills along the way, right? and Sales right. and kind of account management, maybe customer service, those type of things. So when did the idea, because if I read correctly online, you guys were just kind of mind melding one night, kind of take me through that story, because this is really where the rubber meets the road on kind of a lot of these stuff. Is there some, it's not just one moment, but it's probably led up to that where you guys yeah. are sitting around. So tell that story a little bit about you guys sitting around and I want to take it from there and really dive into it. Yeah, so it
1: was uh, 2017. My lease was just about to be up in New York City. Uh, my, brother's, my, my brother's lease in Connecticut was about to be up and our best friend, Mike, just graduated from Northeastern with an engineering degree uh we all came together one night just kind of kicking it with the boys at the house and we were like Mike's like I want to be an entrepreneur I don't want to get a real job let's make an idea so we just started listing ideas a bunch of them were garbage more garbage and then it was about four in the morning four-way volleyball was there we were watching ESPN like we just it's one of those we grew up in a very small farm town ESPN is just on repeat how many times can I watch Scott Van Pelt talk 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 and uh four-way volleyball was there. We Googled it. Nobody had ever done it. And we're like, why can't we do it? So we woke up the next morning and we went to Walmart, which is like 35 minutes away. We drove got in the car, got two nets, rigged them up, had our friends come over and we played for hours. It was so much fun.
0: How did, so how did the idea, like, I'm kind of thinking through, I'm sitting in the room with you guys ideating here Mm -hmm. who came up with like, you know volleyball is fun you know it would be really fun like yeah. who, who came up with that how did that discussion I'm pretty go sure mike
1: mike must have said it at that moment uh, uh we were literally just talking about things from like chargers that would be a speaker so you plug your phone into this brick and then it would also project music from the charger like it was just the most random ideas it wasn't just sports based they were just these are cool ideas that could potentially work and most of them weren't actually cool and this was
0: the coolest one. So what What? Sure. One or two that are, Um, (laughs) you remember that was like, Oh my God, I can't believe we considered this.
1: The biggest one was just uh, definitely the charging, uh, the speaker brick that you just plug it into a wall and it was a speaker that like never died. And it just permanently stay on playing music in your house, which I think cross that was a better idea.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So this, this ideation, right. And you wake up the next morning and said, Hey, we're going to Walmart. We're kind of doing this was it just a, like, all right, we're going to test this out. Let's have some fun. Let's play around with it. Like, yeah, we may start a business or was it like, no, 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 we're doing this. Like, was it that quick of a snap decision?
1: Yeah. I don't think it was that quick. It was more like let's develop a proof of concept and see if this is actually anything. Um, and we, we got the two volleyball nets, rigged them up and, and we all had a blast. Like we were like, all right, let's make, so not only have we created a four way net, but we've kind of created rules and a new sport. Uh, where we've combined four square, uh, which is a traditional uh, recess game. And we've put volleyball. And then we also had basketball. We love, like, any sport between the three of us, basketball is our most favorite sport. So uh, we added game to 11, one by two. So we just had one person serve across the net and then have a free-for-all, like, after that, people trying to eliminate one another. And whoever could score 11 points win. the first is the winner. So people are having so much fun, and we're like, all right, let's – Let's manufacture this net. Let's see how we can do this and make it a business.
0: Did you guys take any like outside capital or was it all your own dime to kind of get going? Uh,
1: all our own cash. We started the business with probably around 10 grand. Uh, we Reinvested once we got sales, mm-hmm. but uh, completely self-funded, started the whole thing up with way less than 30 K.
0: Wow. So, did you quit your job right away or did you stick around for a little while or
1: no uh, yeah i was i was grinding every day like i'd wake up in the morning like seven to nine i'd be doing emails on the train like into new york um uh, trying to work in between the day i remember like stepping out during lunch break like taking phone calls for Crossnet. come home five o'clock i'd be working till midnight every night Uh, and the same with the other guys as well and then it got to the point where the sales were coming in um i had stashed away enough cash for about three or four months of living and I was getting really good at designing websites because I built our cross that website, which is pretty good in my opinion, and people were eating it up so found out oh, I could build somebody's website and pay my rent for two or three months uh, and we were building a lot of good connections so eventually I quit, but it took about eight months before I quit
0: Well, so and that's where I want to talk about a little bit because I know there's a lot of folks listening you know I went through this I mean there's a lot of folks that are like, hey, you're still working a full-time job it's when, when's the tipping point, right? Did was, did you have like a, all right, in six months or eight months, I'm, I'm going to be done with this. This is what I feel. Or was it just one of those things like, all right, I'm starting to kind of see this work. Maybe, maybe it does make sense to go full time. What is that internal dialogue? What was it going through those, those first few months?
1: Yeah. So we got in, uh, so I moved to Miami in June of twenty twenty seventeen. 2017, moved to Miami June of 2017. Uh, right around the summertime. And I moved with the full intention of uh, leaving the company, Uber, uh, January 1st. So they let me work remotely for six months, which was amazing. Uh, so I'd be able to just work on this and then I could take phone calls because I wasn't in an office and, and work on CrossFit whenever I wanted to, which was amazing. Uh, but that summer, just sales I mean, granted, the sales are nothing compared to what they are today, but we saw money coming in. We saw people paying attention to our product. And the best thing were people were submitting photos saying, We just played in the backyard for eight hours my kids absolutely love it they won't come in anymore like they're just having so much fun and not on their xbox anymore and at that point we're like all right and we had some stores start selling it and repeat customers coming in and we're like all right we gotta take this way more serious
0: how did you get the first, like, how did, so you and your friends were playing in the backyard. Take me from there to actually like, holy shit, someone actually bought this that doesn't know who the hell we are on the website. Like how did you get the word out?
1: Yeah. Uh, definitely looking back, there's so many things we could have done a lot smarter. Uh, but Facebook ads, we still live and die kind of by ads. We love running. We have really high quality Facebook ads that we run. Uh, but in the beginning it was just, literally taking a picture from like China, our manufacturing studio. Like it was winter when we started selling. So we didn't really have good content. We grew up in Connecticut. So it was snowing out. We're like, here's a four way net, come play it. Uh, but eventually we got Olympians playing on the net and it just it looks so badass. Like they're having so much fun. It looks so competitive. And then parents started seeing the video being like, Oh, my son or daughter is trying to become a, a volleyball pro. Like this is a great tool for them. So it just started selling like a wildfire.
0: And you mentioned kind of the ads have been a big thing early on though, was like, were you going out pedaling at like sitting in front of like stores or like, yeah. at the, I'm assuming it'd probably be at the beach. Like you're set it up and people are like, Oh, what is this? Yeah, That was the
1: biggest thing. So as soon as the weather turned, uh, we had like a, Mike actually has a beach house in Narragansett that we, in Rhode Island. And we would just go sit across it and just let it sit there all day long. And as soon as we play 20, 30 people would come line up, turn heads, Nobody's ever seen anything like it before. So it just attracted so much attention to the point where I remember we would just wake up in the morning, set up the net, set up another net, like halfway down the beach. And then just go enjoy our day and just know that people are taking photos. We would just look over. oh, more people are playing, more people are playing. And the whole time people are like tagging cross net, like we would literally see sales from their Gansett. So like we knew it was working.
0: Well, so if you could go back, you mentioned, "Hey, there's a, so some things we'd probably do a little different." What would you have done in in retrospect, looking back? What would you have done different?
1: Yeah, I definitely think getting higher quality content, and it's something we still struggle with. But investing in like one awesome piece of content and not waiting eight or nine months to get it would have accelerated our growth that much quicker. Because before we were just selling an idea without actually imagery or video behind it. So as soon as we got that banging content, like it accelerated things so much faster. So,
0: What about from a manufacturing process? Mm -hmm. I I gotta imagine that was, there was a lot of lessons learned Yeah,
1: We're still learning a ton, but, uh, (laughs) excuse me, uh, Chinese New Year is a pain. Uh, Manufacturers don't work for weeks at a time. So just planning those gaps and that break, shipping speed, uh, learning that when your product arrives at the harbor, it's actually probably not ready for another week because of customs and all these other things that happen. So just forecasting is a crazy thing when there's no, there's no predictable future. Like for example, our sales, this like black Friday, we had no idea that we were going to be, we almost did a million dollars in a month. Like that's just crazy for like three kids who just came up with an idea. We never thought that was going to happen. So our inventory kind of took a hit. Granted we had a lot of inventory in store, but uh, <clears throat> we sold at like a four times rapid rate than we thought we were going to. So now <clears throat> we're scrambling to get more inventory, which is a, it's a fun problem, but it's always a, a challenge.
0: Well, from a product design standpoint, um, cause I talked with some some product folks in the past. It's like, did you design like all the specs and manuals and everything like yourselves?
1: Yeah, we did. So uh, Mike is blessing, he's an engineer by trade. So he has CAD and all the blueprint design. So. We found a uh, sports manufacturer out in China where we we sourced from. And uh, they were a very good sporting goods agent. They knew how to – very good communication skills, WhatsApp, all of that. Uh, Spoke English very well. And eventually we trusted them with our design. Uh, They built a proof of concept for us, shipped it over to us. Took about five rounds of revisions to, like, get it really perfect. We'd wait two months for the game to come in from China, and then it wouldn't even stand up. Like, oh, shit. And we have to wait another two months. So it was a, it was a long process, but finally got it. Works amazingly well. Uh, And then we designed the packaging. We've done tons of rounds of revisions on that. And then we just, uh, actually, tomorrow we're planning on releasing our indoor model, which I'm so excited about, which has been about two years worth of work.
0: Oh, wow. Congrats on that. What, so how did you guys split up? Because obviously it seems like what neat is you guys have some different expertise, right? And maybe that helps. But how did you split up duties? Like, hey, I'm taking this and you're taking that. What What was that conversation like early on?
1: Uh, it, was, it was honestly like really just common sense. It, like all of our friends and between all of us, we all know our strengths. Uh, mine is 100% sales and like planning and kind of Big picture things like getting us on walmart.com and target.com. That's always been like my driving goal since we created the company. Isn't it going to be an amazing feeling when we walk into a store and we see our game on our shelves? And we could go to a customer service rep and be like, hey, do you have CrossNet? And they're going to walk me to my product. Like, that is the coolest feeling. and that, That's never been like, that's been the best feeling is owning CrossNet. But uh back to your question, Greg, uh, my brother is just a wizard at social media, always has, like, knows how to game Twitter to the max to get thousands and thousands of impressions. Uh, so we get tons of traffic from social media. That's been his, uh, sweet spot. And then Mike just on the engineering front. I don't know the first thing about blueprints and CAD and all that. So just was a logical fit there.
0: You know, question I'm curious, this hasn't come up a ton, but I'm actually going to ask you cause I'm, I'm more curious now more than ever is around the agreement that you guys have. So, I'm assuming you guys equally own the company, right? Maybe it's split through ways, maybe not, but like, how is the, how did you guys go through that standpoint? Cause it's not like, Hey, this is my brother. I love him. Like best friend, like, Hey, nothing's yeah. going to happen. But as we know, sometimes partnerships don't work out. Like, hey, do you guys have anything in place like that? Uh, from yeah, a we, I mean, standpoint? Our,
1: we have an operating agreement where we split profit um, amongst the third of us, the three of us uh, Equity is a little bit different based on who invested what money going into the company. Gotcha. Well, it is, yeah, we, we're at a pretty rock steady agreement. We all make a good enough money at this point where we're all happy. And, but we're also investing a lot to, for future products, like that indoor model, uh, creating something like that wall. We went, we literally in the last 18 months have gone from ordering a hundred units to we just placed an order for 12,000 units. So we're investing a lot of money back into the business. That way we're not taking outside loans and investors and losing part of our equity because A sale one day, obviously, is why we got into business. It would be awesome to to do for a bigger company.
0: Where are you guys seeing, like, what markets are you trying to get into now that maybe you weren't into a year ago?
1: (laughs) Um, One really big area of growth is physical education. Uh, We're in about 2,500 schools right now, which is crazy. People are learning how to play volleyball for the first time on a cross net rather than a a normal volleyball net. Uh, So that's really cool. But that's a – now that we have the indoor model coming out, there's a huge area for that to grow even more there's no reason why I mean volleyball has been around for the longest time there's no reason why a four-way net couldn't be in classrooms for the next hundred years learning how to play skills kids love learning on it because it's more interactive I remember like playing volleyball in class and just hitting the ball and waiting for the ball to come back to me now people are getting spiked in the face (laughs) they're learning how to serve properly they're they're setting up their friends across the net. So it's a lot more people getting involved and the gym teachers are loving it because the kids are paying attention and the kids are coming to class being like, Oh, I saw that on my Instagram feed last night or my TikTok feed. And now my teacher has, it. Oh, my teacher's so cool. He's up on like on the hippest trends. So it's cool.
0: Yeah. That makes a, yeah I remember fist head back in school. Yeah. That was boring. They kind of just, yeah, <laughs> you're lobbing it all for the net. And especially if you're younger, like you, you had a hard time getting it over the net.
1: So exactly. So and we designed the product so it's, uh, easily adjustable. So you just take out a, uh, take out one of the poles and it goes down to women's height from men's height and you take out another pole and it goes down to children's height. So there's tons of utility there for the gym teachers to use it for younger kids and older kids.
0: And, and did you guys patent the idea? Yeah, fully patent. That's awesome. And what I always curious on that is it like a utility patent? Like what what's the what did you guys get for the specific specific yeah, design we have
1: an or utility patent? We have a design patent. Uh, we have a bunch of different things. Uh, Mike's the legal guy too, but yeah, <laughs> we're fully patent. We got it on the box and we're we're good to go. So we're, we're stoked.
0: Any advice from that process? Like what what was that process like going through patent attorneys or anything like that? Yeah, uh,
1: I wouldn't be the guy to speak to on that to be honest. But uh, oh, it's nice to know that we're secure. I'll tell you that
0: okay that's cool Um, you know that goes back to you know one of the other things I wanted to ask I'm always curious about is that you guys are at this level I mean the goal probably is hey we want to grow this bigger maybe it's bring on employees as you mentioned hey maybe someday get to a point we sell the company Um, are there any guiding principles maybe that are the cornerstone of the business that you guys maybe the values that you guys have there anything that you'd share that's been helpful for you guys to kind of keep things moving forward
1: yeah I mean our biggest thing is to make Bring, bring fun back. Uh, I remember, I know now the most fun I have in my life is when my phone is plugged to a charger and I'm out living my life. Uh, just as an entrepreneur, you're glued to your phone, glued to your laptop. So we're really trying to bring like fun back in, into the United States and the world and get people to go outside. Even if it's 10, 15 minutes that they're playing CrossNet, guarantee that's going to be almost the best part of their day. So that's a huge thing for us is just getting people outdoors, getting people engaged uh, and having a good time. Because time with your friends is way better than texting or Instagram usually. So,
0: Chris, did you have a uh, did you have a fear of starting mm-hmm. this? Were you fearful when you first the ideas first surfaced? Like, hey, I I actually have to I I can't go hide behind Uber or someone like that yeah. that's paying my paycheck. <laughs> like, I'm out in front of this. Did yeah, you have a fear to, at
1: all? Yeah, I, I did have a, a fear to an extent. Um, one thing I kind of understood and kind of had to accept was my resume and my college experience uh, kind of spoke to itself i knew that if i stepped away for six months uh i could get another job uh most some people aren't that fortunate but i knew that i was in a position where uh, i had a resume where if i walked away for six months and, and took a chance on myself i was going i was going to be all right as long as i had enough cash in the bank uh <clears throat> i'm frugal in the sense where i'm not buying louis vuitton wallets i'm not going to hawaii i'm not doing stupid stuff like that with my cash I knew my rent cost this much my loans cost this much if i had this much in the bank and if i ate this much food out um that's all i needed and if i got to that point and i wasn't making the money i needed i'll go get a job
0: and what about um i don't know why i guess i'll use the word critics or the naysayers right i know a lot of people i know you know i tell the story a lot is like i want to start this podcast a couple times prior to actually starting it. And it was just like, yeah, people were making comments or like, "What well, you're going to start a podcast. And it, it kind of, I guess it affected me. Cause I, I, I kind of uh, had that fear early on. Do, did you have a great support system coming out on this? Or did you have a similar thing where people were like, what the hell is he doing?
1: Yeah, No, actually on the contrary, this product, like a four way volleyball on that it's more like the motive. It actually motivated me all the people being like, Oh, this is such a good idea. I mean, you look at it, it's like, how is this not invented already? How is, it, how is it, how did somebody in the world not make this a real business by now? So I had nothing but honestly the support. I mean, you you see some critics on Twitter, Facebook talking, but like, besides that, you see the money come in, you see people having a good time. And the best thing is I, I love my product, right? I go out, we're working on some new prototypes and I was out playing for four hours yesterday while I was working, but I was I was having a good time. So it's fun selling something that you actually believe in and have fun with uh, rather than just selling a service that you're just like whatever about.
0: Oh man, I think that's such a big, yeah. I think if you're not passionate about it, you won't work those extra hours, right? You won't think about being creative of how can we, you know, get this to a different market, you know, those type of things. So I absolutely agree with that. Um, I want to talk more about you personally, kind of in some of the stuff you do on a day to day. Like give, give me an idea, like, is there any certain habits or anything routines that have kept you because again you have a lot of things in the bucket right that you're yeah. dealing with how do you not only stay motivated but how do you manage that time properly
1: yeah uh well i definitely make sure i set a time aside for myself because i know my day could be last night i was doing an interview with somebody at 10:30 at night um so my day is not just a, a nine to five which i love i wake up i make sure i'm grounded i go to the gym at almost every day or take a yoga class with my girlfriend do stuff like that, just to get outdoors and get away from the laptop is super important. But uh, a day-to-day recently to any entrepreneurs out there who are starting to build enough cash, I've been investing money in doing stuff and hiring people to do stuff that I really don't like to do or that I know that I'm not good enough to do. Um, order fulfillment, coding, graphic design work to a higher level than what I'm like proficient to do uh, is what we started hiring for. And it's made our business so much smoother uh, maybe I'll pay myself an extra $200 less or whatever, but my company is so much farther along where it's going to be beneficial in the long run.
0: Well, and you, you kind of took my, my next thought is, is what, if anything, do you delegate out in the business? Because that's something that at some point you want to bootstrap. You want to say, hey, I can do it all. When did you come to that conclusion that, hey, it made sense to start looking elsewhere to kind of these things that I don't, not that you don't like doing, but it's like, hey, we can actually have someone do it maybe a little better. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it was about six months ago, uh, give or take. Uh, We started, I mean, I've been working with a coder on the site for almost a year now to do tweaks and stuff that I just wasn't proficient to do. Uh, But now we're going into 2020. Uh, We have like a full org chart. It's crazy. Like we had this person reporting to this person, this person's reporting to that person. Uh, And it's fun. It's not that the people are working 40 hours a week. They may only be working two to five hours a week on, on CrossNet, but those two to five hours are super, super valuable.
0: Um, is there anything you do for a, a continual learning? I don't know if you'd like to read, listen to podcasts, yeah, anything podcast. in particular.
1: Yeah. Podcasts. I actually just listened to uh, the Gary Vee podcast, uh, hate him or hate him or love him, but uh, he actually love just, had a, yeah, he had a good tip on uh, LinkedIn uh, marketing. So advertising to uh, running LinkedIn ads on the places that you want your product to be on the employees. So for example, uh, Hibbit Sports, if anybody working at Hibbit Sports is listening, I want my product to be sold at your store. So I'm going to run ads on LinkedIn to employees working at Hibbit Sports. So they constantly see my product. Over time, they'll think, why is this not in our store? And then they'll send me an email and then I'll get my product in their store.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Gary's a visionary. I've been following him for about eight years and he's a. Yeah. Uh, Love it. Yeah. I love him or hate him. Some people don't like him. But I'm like, why? It's he's got a lot of street cred, you know, he's, he's been doing it for a long time. So, um, okay. So we've been talking a lot about successes. What, what's the big L on your record? What's the, is there anything that you're like, I don't know if it's a regret, but it's like, oh shit, man, I did. Th- this was a, a big mistake or, or something that I failed at. Anything that you could bring up that would, uh, at least be helpful to learn from.
1: Yeah. Big L. Um, Buying too much inventory uh, to begin, certainly Big L, or buying too much packaging or too many boxes uh, and just kind of overthinking your needs. There's always going to be more of whatever you need. Like there's always going to be more brown boxes from Uline or (laughs) UPS. So you don't need to buy them because you get $2 in price savings or two cents in price savings. I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who end up buying. One of my buddies bought, hopefully he's not listening, bought 10,000 units of something. And then he changed his formula, uh, like three weeks after they launched. So, uh, he was out of 10,000 units and kind of had to fire sale them and his whole company changed. So don't overinvest in your company in inventory until you really have that proof of concept and the sales are coming in. Otherwise you, things change, life changes, uh, your company might close down or you might pivot and then you're out of all this cash.
0: Yeah. That's a good idea. Cause at the end of the day, right? Yeah. You don't want to be just sitting. You hear that. I hear that a lot of like shark tank. You watch that. Like they're always sitting on inventory and it's like, uh, it's not yeah. really like I, I
1: know my lead time. I know I can get the product in and within 60 days. So when I see the red flag coming in, in 75 days, I'll start getting the money together to make that next purchase. But I only stock for what I really need. And if you're getting back order time and time again, one, it's a good problem cause you got a demand, but two, it's on you to start being a better owner and planning your inventory a little bit better.
0: Have you guys always so talking, obviously with just the three of y'all really starting. um, how was the customer service side of it? Like, were you guys always on point with deliveries early on? Was there, uh, no, (laughs) not at
1: all. No, uh, we actually, that that's, that's another L. Uh, we started the company, uh, we, we had received emails saying that the inventory was going to be in within two weeks. So for our initial launch didn't actually come in for three months. So we had to play catch up on all customer service being like, hey, things got back ordered. I, I know you don't expect that, but we are really a small company, no matter how cool our game is. Like we're actually really small. Uh, bear with us, you'll get tracking as soon as possible. Like we promised, we'd call everybody. Uh, but now we have customer service agents, we have live chat support, all of that good stuff. So customer service has become very, very crucial because it all leads to feedback. Uh, we pay a lot of money for a reviewer app that syndicates reviews across Amazon, Walmart, Target. Uh, so positive reviews is the only thing that is We live and die off that. So,
0: How involved do the... So we're talking about reviews. Like, How involved do you get with customers? Do you have a lot of conversations with customers on what they like, what they don't like? Uh, or, or is it more like, yeah, we're, we're listening a little, but we're kind of making these decisions internally? Yeah. What we No,
1: in the beginning, we certainly got tons of feedback like i would i remember one thing we instituted for a bit was we call every customer actually physically pick up the phone and we say hey thanks for ordering uh we just shipped out your game and then we call them back in a few weeks being like hey did you like it did you not like it have you had time to set it up so we learned things uh we we found that like the stakes on the game were too short and they were in some situations the net was collapsing on people um so we had to make the the tension poles longer that way the stakes would go in the ground better. So the net would stand up more uh, for windy conditions or uh, other kind of sand condi- conditions. So, yeah, so we're listening. We see all the comments. We look at all that. Um, definitely like we we changed. We had a duffel bag before where the game would come in. And it was super heavy. And I remember uh, Greg and Mike would always give me shit because I would never carry it. It was like a 20, 20-pound 20 game. And they're like, yo, you got to carry the cross net today. So we changed it and we made a backpack. So now you're wearing CrossFit on your back instead of uh, carrying the duffel and it makes it that much easier to travel with. And if people are traveling with it, then they'll take it out of the house while in play.
0: I really like that. Just the kind of the little innovation, right? You're not changing the whole game. It's just little innovation to make the experience a lot easier for the user, which at the end of the day, right, that's, that's, who's going to be buying it. So you got to make them happy if you want it to grow. Um, we talked a lot about, you know, obviously learning and things that, obviously the big L's that you've had and stuff. Yeah. Do you have any mentors that you lean on for advice or just about growing the business at all? Or is it yeah. just kind of you guys as a team kind of working closely? It's kind of us. To
1: be honest, it's kind of us just working as a team. We have a few entrepreneur friends like in the industry who've started their own e-commerce companies. A good friend of mine, Sean Kelly, <laughs> Just, uh, little things like that. He uh, He's on t- tons of podcasts. So like after this, I'll introduce you to him. He'll introduce me to somebody he did a podcast with and just kind of having that. He has my back. I have his back. If he learns something cool, if I'm using this discount code in this way, he'll implement it on his shop. I just hired a coder. I'll introduce him to the coder. Oh, this guy's fixed his site speed, brought it up from 30% to 70%. Things like that, just having a good, just having friends in the industry who are just all about growing together is really cool.
0: What do you guys, uh, so you mentioned the indoor coming out Yep. Um, by the time this launches, it'll already be out. Yeah. What What else are you excited about in 2020 and uh, maybe beyond um, anything yeah. you guys got in your plate that you can share that you're excited yeah. about? Uh,
1: so product development indoors are our, our biggest thing right now. We have over 15,000 nets in the world and there's a lot of unhappy cold people right now in the winter who want to be playing cross net, but they can't because they're not going to go out in the beach because they're not crazy. So they, they want to have it indoors, and we're going to be able to sell that to them, which is awesome. Uh, 2020, we're going to be hiring our first full-time employee and hopefully employees uh, to be working on the company day in, day out. And then also getting more into the education system. So we're already in a lot of uh, intramural programs uh, across the United States, which is really cool. People are signing up on, like, I Am Leagues to be in a cross-net tournament or intramural event. Like, getting that more deeply rooted into communities, into schools. Uh, is going to be really important so we're going to spend a lot a lot of time doing that and creating tournaments across the world for the game
0: when when do we expect it to be in the olympics
1: <sighs> hopefully soon <laughs> Definitely. We'll, we'll see. they got
0: beach out. volleyball you got to be able exactly.
1: to exactly, somehow you
0: got to be able to make a pitch for it
1: yeah we're working on that
0: so where can everyone find you guys online
1: yeah crossing dot game.com best place to find us best place for discounts
0: so Last thing I want to talk about, and this is, you know, when I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, I'm always writing different notes and kind of little things that I could take from each individual person that was interviewed or what have you. So the people that are listening now, maybe they have that notebook pulled out. What's one thing, again, it could be an advice. Maybe it's a, a quote you live by something that you would share kind of as a lasting impression of the interview uh, that you'd want them to hear.
1: Yeah. Um, somebody's always working harder than you. Uh, you just got to constantly keep grinding. If you have a good idea, Somebody else is going to do it and living with the regret of I should have done that. I should have just gave it two months or gave it some more effort. Maybe I should have put down the video game controller for a few nights and, and tried to get my idea to work. Um, I, I don't want to be the one to live with that regret. So hopefully you don't either, uh, give it a try, just get started, right? Like that's all you can do.
0: Is that what ultimately propelled you think to you yeah, want the regret?
1: 100%. I, I literally, I was commuting, almost three hours a day on a train. It sucked. It was so bad. And I'm like, am I really going to grow up to be one of those people commuting 15 hours a week for the next 40 days, 40 years of my life? Like this is, this is not for me. And I I tried And, and it worked and I'm super happy. I don't know what the future holds, but right now it's pretty damn cool.
0: Dude, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad we got connected. This was fun yeah. just to chat with you a little bit and, and you know, peel back the onion layer, if you will. So uh, good luck to you guys going forward. And I'm, I'm looking forward to keeping in touch.
1: Appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode and look forward to having you in the next one. And if I could make one ask of the community, if you did enjoy this one or others, please head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review, give me a rating, let me know how I'm doing. It also gives a chance for this podcast to get bubbled up to more people, more exposure on it, and hopefully help other people on their journeys kind of get to that next level. And go check me out online. Brianondraco.com is the website. Um, I have the podcast there, blog. I even have a now page to kind of keep people up to speed on the last couple months, what's going on in my world. Um, at worst, it allows my mom to keep tabs on me and make sure I'm doing Okay. And feel free to connect with me on Instagram or Twitter, at Brian Draco. Send me a DM. Let me know how you guys are doing, a little bit about your journey. I love to connect with new people and kind of hear what's making them passionate and motivated to reach fulfillment in their life. So I thank you guys again for listening in. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.